we, we are starting and ending with uh, bookends on this vision. The Lord said the glory center and talking about the glory center and the revival that's coming because their glory center is about the revival that's coming. That's our new building. He said they are the bookends for the vision. And, and, and I didn't want us to do it on the first, on April 11th, which was part one. I wanted to do it later. I wanted to build into it. And he said, no, you start. I didn't know he'd tell me to end with it. He just said, start with it. So I started with it and we kind of punched it there on April 11th. And then we continued on a little bit on a lot of other subjects and all of them important in their own right. And then I was going to do this last week and last week's today about the race. And he said, no, you started with the glory center and the revival and you end with the glory center and the revival for they are bookends to the vision. So God is very precise as to how he wants this to happen. So what the interesting thing is on part one, which you probably, well, you wouldn't know because I haven't said it, but on part one, I also had another section at the end of the sermon about Oasis. I wanted to share about the spiritual purpose of Oasis because the week before on Easter, on April 4th, remember we did the Easter service and then it was a long day that day and we did about a 40 minute presentation with all the videos and the pictures and the amenities and the boat and all that stuff. That was all the natural stuff. But I wanted to share on the 11th about the spiritual purpose of Oasis because God has told me some things we're going to do on that property and and ministry to people and how things are going to, it's amazing. And when I try, and then of course there's money to raise for Oasis, because I told you we got two mortgages on it, three mortgages on it. We need to pay two in the next 18 months. And so I wanted to share that so that people had time to prepare Jenny. But every time as I was preaching, he didn't tell me beforehand like this time, but as I was preaching, he said, don't, don't. This is not the right time. Don't talk about Oasis. I said, but Lord, I didn't finish really everything last week. He said, don't. This is about the glory and center and revival. And then I tried the next week and I was restrained. So then I just kind of forgot about it. And then as I was getting the sermon ready yesterday for three and a half hours, I had half on the Glory Center and Revival and half on the Oasis, spiritual vision and money, because that's what we should have done on part one. And I felt a grieving, a deep grieving in my spirit, like I was going to throw up. And I said, Lord, what, what is wrong? And he said, do you not remember that on the first time when you talked about the glory and revival that I said not to speak on Oasis? I said, I know, but what? And he said, and tomorrow is the same for it is the bookend. You started and you ended with the glory center revival. And I do not want you talking about Oasis tomorrow. And so I said, okay, Lord, I don't know why it's so important, but it's important to you. So it's important to me. And so I thought it was interesting, Jenny, that we started on the natural Oasis on the fourth. Then we did nine weeks on the vision. And then we're ending the spiritual part of Oasis on my very next service, which is June 27th. Because he said, when you come home, Wait till you're in person, but when you're in person behind the pulpit, speak on Oasis, then what you were planning on doing for the latter half of the sermon today. And so it's like he sandwiched it. It's like April 4th and June 27th, those two end pieces are about Oasis, the natural part one, the spiritual part two. And in the middle of that was part one to nine from April 11th to June the 6th. And, and we started in that series about the glory and revival at the beginning and everything in the middle and then the glory and revival at the end. And I didn't plan that at all. In fact, I'm kind of working against it. If <laughs> be honest, I'm trying to fit too much in. And he said, that's how I want it done. And that's how I've, that's how I've planned it. So you do how I've planned it, not how you've planned it. So I said, okay, Lord, if that's how you planned it, I am happy to do that. But I, I just think it's interesting how he is so precise. 
And if nothing else, this should give you pause to realize that if he's this precise about something like, as simple as Oasis, that every message that we've given in this nine weeks is very specific. It was specific not just in what was said, but when it was said. The week it was said, God selected. He wanted it said that time. He wanted it categorized in the groups that, that the Lord led me to categorize it. He wanted this nine weeks, not longer. This was all very hand-tailored by God. And sometimes I don't always realize that because I'm just kind of going. And I'm just like, well, Lord, you'll lead me as I go kind of thing. But then kind of once I get to the end of something, I'll look back or he'll prompt me. I usually don't even look back because I'm not, I just don't. But he'll prompt me and say, now look back and see, see how I organized this. You see how I organized that, son? There's a precision there. You see how I organized Oasis? There's a precision there. I want you to do it exactly as I lead you. And that's what faithfulness is. Doing things as God has it in his heart, not as I have it in my heart. Praise God. So he is very particular today about this. And that's why I want you to share, pay close attention because today's message, we're not going to talk about Oasis. We're going to do that on the June 27th, okay? And I have some spiritual purposes of that, of that property to share with you, which in many ways are far more, more important than the natural things. What we're going to accomplish spiritually there, the boat is an afterthought. Uh, whatever, the cabins, the renovation, whatever, the barbecue campfires, whatever it is we're doing, the jet skiing, that's an afterthought. That's, that's piddlywinks. Yeah. The real reason we're there is for a spiritual purpose. And I want to share that. I probably should have started with that, Jenny, but I started with the natural because people see the natural. But now you're going to get an earful of the real reason why we bought the property, and it's powerful. And I'll share some stuff with you. God showed me. I'm talking, uh, yeah, we're not having sinners go up there to rent it. But we are having sinners go up there. But they're going up for free. They're going up to get devils cast out of them. They're going up for healing retreats. I'm telling you, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful thing that God is creating up there. So uh, it has multiple spiritual purposes. We're going to talk about that on the 27th. But for today, let me go back to start look at the first bookend of April 11th. I'm going to take five minutes to summarize because a lot, it was kind of an introduction to the, to, the, to the vision series. But the latter half of April 11th, I shared about the Glory Center and about a little bit about revival. And that's where we want to pick up. But because it's been eight weeks away, you know, two months back, I want to just five minutes, just summarize the highlights of what I shared in the latter part of that sermon, just to kind of, uh, you know, stimulate your memory a little bit of what we were talking about. And I was telling you that the nuclear core really of the vision, we started off on April 11th saying that part one is the glory center and revival because the glory center is our new building, but the glory center's purpose is not just to have a building, it's to house revival. So, so to, to talk about the glory center, you can't separate it from revival. And I said, that's the core. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but we, I read you Exodus 24, which is on the first 40-day fast that Moses did. The first thing God said was, go back and raise an offering from the people to build me a place for my glory. And then, and then he comes back and then God says, now you can't take it from anybody that's not willing whose spirit has stirred them. And so he tells the people that. But even these rebellious people that just a few weeks before were having orgies and worshiping a demon god. Just, these, just a few weeks before, these people were so moved upon by God, these carnal people, stubborn people, were so moved upon by God that they weren't just willing, they were, had to be restrained they were so willing. 
Do you remember that, Jenny? Yeah. And so I read you that, and that is in Exodus 35 and chapter 36, but it started in chapter 24. And so I read you that, and the Lord said to me, and I'll remind you, he said, on the fast, because he gave me this on the fast, he said, on the fast, I told you how to do this, but through your wife, the day the mantle came, December 12th, I told you why. So on the fast, he told me how. He, he told me about Moses. He said, go ahead, get an offering. And I'm going to share some of the how, which I didn't share on the first part of this vision. I'm going to share it today on the ninth about how we're going to do that Amen. and about what we're going to need financially to do that. Amen. And he said to ask you for an offering. So I'm doing it today. Amen. But that's not really the main part of today's message. It's just kind of a, a tag at the end. But, but, but I'm, he told me exactly the pattern. He told me how many years. He told me when to start. He told me when to end. He told me if the people are rebellious and disobey that he's built in buffer for that because this is going to get done one way or the other, but he doesn't want them to disobey because they'll suffer for it. So he told me all the how you do it, but I still just figured, well, this is just a building. It's for the revival, right? I didn't know the glory part until the God came into the hotel room on the 12th when I was spending nine hours sharing with my wife all the things God shared on the vision, on, on the fast. And when I got to the building, the presence of God came. She started weeping. I started weeping. And she started prophesying. And she basically, I'm not saying the exact prophecy, but basically what she was saying was, this is not just about a building. This is more than a building. She said, this is about, this is more than a building fund. This is a, this is a holy enterprise. This is about the glory. This is about building a place for God's glory to come and to house revival to touch Toronto because the glory is needed for revival. And, 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 th and then I realized, oh my goodness, you gave me the how and the blueprint, Lord, but the real reason behind it, the why are we doing this, is he did, you kind of held that from me and showed my wife, it's all about the glory. That's why it's called, that's why Randy Greer is sitting in the chop house on the elevated section on the right. To, to, just, I know exactly that he's sitting, looking out to the window, I'm looking into the restaurant and his eyes misted over. And I thought, what's wrong with him? Because he looked kind of different and he's staring off. Like he's looking at something. I thought he was looking at a plane. Yeah. And I turned around. Do you remember? I turned around and looked to see what he's looking at. There's nothing, there's nothing there. He was seeing into the realm of spirits. And he said, I see, I see on the horizon, glory clouds, and it shall be known as the glory center. Your church shall be known as the glory. I'm telling you, <laughs> the presence of God came all over me. And Jenny, we just, we just tears filled our eyes and we just sat there and absorbed what the prophet was seeing. God will show people stuff in restaurants, in the church service, anywhere. He's not limited by a prayer closet. And he called, God called it through him, the glory center. So it's going to be called on our new building. It's going to say the glory center and within smaller letters as a tagline, Promise of Life Church. Oh, Lord, you just showed me that. I see that. I see that. Okay. Okay. I, I remember that, Lord. I'll say that in a minute. It's not yet. I, I, he just showed me something because I was asking him something this morning. I said, but Lord, that don't make sense for us. And he just, she just showed it to me right now. That, so it does make sense. Praise God. It does make sense. So our name will be the Glory Center uh, in little letters, Promise of Life Church. Because that's what God called it through the prophet. It's gonna, it shall be known as the glory center. Because it's about, it's not a building. It's about a holding tank, a holding place for the glory to bring revival. Which is why your participation should be the most privileged act you ever do. It should never be me trying to force it. It should never be me saying, come on guys. 
I should never have to say in 2025, we still don't have it. God is going to have to enter the buffer zone for rebellious ones because we're a bunch of rebels. Because those sinners, in, in those, those Jewish re rebels were so touched by God, even in their hard-heartedness, they gave to be restrained. How much more can we? So you'll see it's coming. It's going to be known as the glory center. And the season of Ziglag and Hebron have been in here. Now, remember, I called this, this new building the Hebron building, this new one that's coming. But I did it in error because I was convinced that we had to, that this Hebron season, we had to own this right away, and then we were going to move, and then we we're going to move again. I had limited understanding at that time. But there's not. Unless God changes it, to my knowledge, we only have two buildings till the rapture, this one and the next one. And Ziglag and Hebron have been in this building, but in the season of Hebron, which is the seven and a half years, there will be a season of ownership when we have the choice. Remember, I thought we had to own it right away. That's why I tried to buy this building and God was holding it back and I kept binding the devil. He said, stop binding the devil. I'm the one hardening Bob's heart to not sell it to you. You're getting in the flesh over it. I don't want you to own it. You think you have to own it as soon as you enter Hebron. No, I said the season of Hebron. That means at some point in the seven and a half years will be ownership. But the ownership will be at the end. Oasis is at the beginning in small measure. The building will be at the end in large measure. And Oasis and the new building are bookends for this seven and a half years. And he said, now at the end, you're going to own this new building. But this building will be for Jerusalem because it will come just before Jerusalem starts. And it will be called the glory center for it will be for the glory and the revival that I've called in these latter years. So we really only have, this is our Ziglag and Hebron building here, but that is going to be our Jerusalem glory center building there. Amen. Just I want people to know exactly what God is saying and that I'm compromised by the fact that I don't always know everything when he first says it. Sometimes it takes months and years for God to clarify and me not to misinterpret what he's saying. But I do believe right now that we, we, we have a clear grasp on the timing and the planning of things, at least based on his perfect will. People can change his perfect will by their decisions. But if we'll just submit to him, this perfect will will come to pass. Oh, hallelujah. And so, hallelujah, where am I here? And so uh, it's going to be known as the glory center. Praise God. Remember, he said to Dad Dufresne, God's been endeavoring to do something in this city for a long time. People keep getting in the way. He said, don't get in the way. Then he pointed his finger and he screamed at me as loud as he could. Don't mess it up. And that's when I started shaking and Pastor Nancy came put her around me and said, calm down, Pastor, calm down, Pastor. Because I was shaking because he scared me so much. When he looks at you with fire out of his eyes and he screams at you when he's two feet away, it freaks you out. Don't mess it up. The pressure to not mess it up is great. But if I just stay in the spirit, it's not, it's not, it's easy. It's light and easy. Praise God. Because so many people have messed it up, but God's been endeavoring to do something. We're not going to mess it up. We're not going to mess it up in Jesus' name. It's more than a building. It's holy. It's about his glory. If God is asking, remember he said, he said to me in the fast, don't ask for an offering, ask for my offering. This is, it's not just an offering, it's his offering. God is asking for his offering from his people to build him a house for his glory and for his revival in his city of Toronto because he owns it. The gays don't own it. God owns it. The politicians don't own it. God owns the city. Don't may look like that right now, but I'm telling you, God owns the city. 
It's his city. He's going to have a revival in his city. For all who want can come and drink of the eternal waters. And all who don't, don't have to. But he's going to have a revival. And he's going to use many churches, not just us. But we are going to be one of the ones he uses because our hearts are right and we're ready. Praise God. Hallelujah. So remember, last part, as, as a reminder of, of April 11th, he showed me two glasses. One was empty, one was full. The empty one represented Promise of Life congregation. The full one represented me as the leader. And I saw the first glass pour out away from me and fill the other glass. And this glass was empty. And he spoke to me and he said, pour out the vision and then get out of my way. And I saw his hand come on the first glass, which was now empty, and do this and move it off to the side of the table. And now all I could see was the second glass full of vision. He said, pour out the vision and then get out of my way. You talk too much. Meaning you are, you're trying to get this through the natural. I don't want you to. You just tell them the vision. Leave the rest to me, son, because that's an act of faith. Then when God does it, I can't say all my smartness and all my great eloquence got the money. I got out of the way. God did it. And then he continued and he said, I will deal with the people. I will touch their hearts. If I could deal with those carnal, stubborn Israelites, I can certainly deal with your congregation. And he will. And he already has started. And I'll share that in a second, give you an example of him already starting. So in, in, that was April 11th, and I'm coming into today, and I said, Lord, what do you want? How do I handle this? Because there's certain things that need to be said. How do I segue into it so, you know, I don't just drop them off a cliff and they can't follow what I'm saying? And so I felt him say, briefly remind them of, I think it was part four, of when I did the parallels, the three parallels. Briefly, five minute, remind them of the parallels because it's going to segue into the next part. You've got to remember this because some of you, we're part nine. This was five weeks ago. You might have forgotten. But there were three parallels. There's the Elijah parallel, then there's the Samaria parallel, and then there's the vineyard parallel. I'm not going to go over it all because you've got to listen to part four again if you want it. But that was one of the most important all of them were so important, but that was a really important Sunday telling you about the parallels. So let me remind you, we've got Hebron is 2020 to 2027, seven and a half years. Okay. And then we've got, uh, and then we've got, uh, we got 21, 22, 23, which even though 2020 got the mantle and it is technically the Hebron season, but it's the start of it. It's, it's just a transition year. But really this number thing that God starts with all these timelines in terms of going forward, he starts at all 2021. He kept saying that to me. 2020 year is a, is a, is a, dual, a duality year. It ended the first season and it started the next. It was the price you paid for the mantle. It was a transition year. It still started the Hebron season, but it's a transition year. Yeah. And so the mantle came at the very end. So the first inaugural year of the mantle is 2021. So start your timeline 2021. So we know 2021, we already told you, is Jordan. And this is God establishing and revealing the mantle's assignment. The waters of revelation are parting. The obstacles are moving. And there's things that we're going through. Praise God. 22 is Jericho. He's starting some assignments. Uh, in spiritual sons, international works, and uh, different things are going to in some ways start that God has been speaking about. Much of it will start in 22. Uh, and that's the Jericho. There's a lot more, but I'm just giving you a very quick highlight. 23 is Bethel, and that's where God speaks, because God always speaks in Bethel. Same with 17, 18, 19. It was Bethel, Jericho, Jordan, and then 20 was the plain of Jordan, getting the mantle. And then coming back, it's Jordan, Jericho, Bethel, and it's the same things. Just like God said some things in 17, started some things in 18, and established or settled some things in 19. So going backwards in 2021, he's establishing and settling some things with the mantle right now. And then next year, 
he's starting some things with international work, spiritual sons and other things. And 23, Bethel, he's going to speak about some things. And now the Lord said to me, which I've already told you, that in that 2023 year, when he's speaking about things, a lot of what he's going to speak about to people in our church is about their financial commitment to this glory center and about their non-financial commitment to this glory center. Because it's not about money only. There's evangelism included in that. There is ministry of helps included in that. And most importantly, there is a prayer assignment included in that. You can't just give money and then you're off the hook. God expects you to pray. God expects you to evangelize. God expects you to bring your skill and help and ministry of helps to this new building. It's not just write a check. Praise God. Some of you are maybe funders. That's all maybe God's asked you to do. But most people, they're doing a combination of things. And so this is going to be God speaks a lot in 23 about what's about to happen. Then he said 24. Remember, this is uh, in the Elijah and, and both the I'm now giving you both the Elijah and the and Samaria parallels simultaneously. In 2024, he said, this is Mount Carmel part one. And he said, this is Elijah pouring out the water. It's sacrificial. This is the lepers starting to walk to the enemy. They gave it all willing to die. This is a year in 2024 20, where the power of God starts to manifest. Those angel armies go and they can hear in front of the lepers. And the fire of God falls. Yes. People can see it. Yeah. There's a manifestation. There is. Do you understand? Uh, now, don't forget that in 21, 22, 23, now the vineyard parallel, there's five years. The first three are uncircumcised. You can't have increase. Because right. right. they're uncircumcised to you. And 21, 22, 23, they're years of death. That's right. You let the fruit die. And there's a death that has to come to our flesh in these three years. Otherwise, we won't be ready for what's coming in 24. But in 2024 is a year of the tithe. It's a year of consecration. And in 24, that's where you take of the fruit and you lay it before the Lord. And in 24, see the parallel? Just like the lepers laid their life, just like Elijah and the people laid the most precious substance, the water, barrel after barrel after barrel of precious substance. And so we take and we lay our life. It's the year of the tithe of the consecration of the laying before the Lord in 24. Are you still with me? Now in 25, if you listen to part four, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about right now, shame on you. It means you missed part four. You better go listen to that, but not right now. Listen to it after I'm done. Okay. The 2025, he said, now is Carmel part two. And this is Elijah prays, puts his head between his knees, sees the little thing, tells Ahab, you better run. And the anointing hits him and he accelerates faster than the fastest horse in the land. Physically, he runs faster than the chariot and he goes to Samaria. That is divine acceleration. And he said, and it was the next day, if you read the Bible, where the lepers now have gone and they, they're, they're eating chocolate cheesecake and they're doing all this stuff saying, look at the wonderful. And then they say, we got to go tell them. They go tell the king. He sends out guy riders to make sure they're not lying. He comes back, makes a decree. Everybody stampedes. That guy gets killed in the gate and they all rush upon the stuff. That was the next day. Yeah. And the Lord said, like it was the next day, so it shall be the next year. And he said, so in this 25 year, this is a really important year. He said, this is the year set in the spirit for there to be a divine acceleration like Elijah and for there to be nothing one minute and everything the next minute like Samaria. This is the dramatic influx of divine joinings. This is the taking forth, the charging, the taking off point really for our ministry where things, I don't know what's going to happen. He'll reveal more later, but I'm telling you, 25 is an important year. And in the vineyard parallel, we've got the three years of death and then the fourth year 24 is sacrifice and and tithing and giving to the Lord and this is what people are going to start doing is giving to the Lord of their money because in 23 he's talking about some things and in 24 they're going to start doing something 
And that's the sacrifice. But in 25 is the first year when you plant a vineyard according to Israeli law, Jewish law, that you are allowed to take of the fruit and eat it yourself. You can partake of your own vineyard in the fifth year and not before. And so in that fifth year, 2025, there's going to be a, an increase for us to see, Taylor, for us to increase. We're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to probably keep obviously serving and pouring things out, but we're going to get that building. We're going to start seeing those people flock in. We're going to start seeing miracles. And I'm talking miracles, like dead raising kind of miracles. We're, going to, we're probably going to start being in the news. Probably television will be somewhere in and around there. I don't know. He hasn't spoken, but I would imagine it's going to be in and around there because there's going to be a much more public. I'm not saying it will happen then, but it will definitely happen in the Jerusalem years because he said, he said Hebron is all internal. And Jerusalem is all in, like, glow, like outside the world is involved. David didn't see any, any tribes, any nations in the seven and a half years of Hebron. As soon as he went to Jerusalem, all of them started attacking him and he started having victory after victory. And he said, there's going to be more of a, you're going to be hidden and private in this season of Hebron. But when Jerusalem comes, there'll be more of a publicized thing. So probably television will come then, but, but there might be a little overlap into 25 and 26. I don't know. All I'm telling you is that there's going to be a, an eating of the fruit. I believe that's when the building is assigned to come in 25. I believe that's when we're going to start seeing the beginnings, if not the completion of the dramatic influx of divine joinings, people coming by the hundreds to join our church, which means our leadership team has to get ready, which means our congregation, you three, potently three, four hundred, you're the leaders because there's many coming. You can't even tithe. How are you going to be a leader when we've got 3,000? Do you hear what I'm saying? Like there's more coming. So stop just sitting on the bench and uh, like a little bump on a log and saying, I'll just cruise. It's not time to cruise. It's time to run. It's time to say, Lord, it doesn't matter if I'm not promoted now. I can guarantee you I'll be promoted soon because there are people coming and they don't know what I know and they haven't been faithful like I have and pastor don't trust them like he trusts me. Praise God. So it's coming. And then six, remember, then he, he ran to Elijah, that supernatural takeoff. He passed the flesh king, which is the flesh church, which is a secret sensitive format. And he took off and he went to the world. Samaria represented the world because that's where the devil lived, Jezebel. Do you understand? He's going to Samaria. Elisha retraced the same route went to Samaria. We're going to Samaria. 26 is a transitionary year getting ready for this last day great revival. It's getting a settling in the new building which is supposed to come in 25 if you're obedient and it's letting us catch our breath and pray some things out and hear God speak while we prepare to enter into the world stage of Samaria which is our Jerusalem year starting in 27 and this revival. And we have the building ready to house this glory and revival. Now, if you don't listen and don't give, which I say you will, but if you don't, he's given 26 as a buffer. He said, if the people disobey, they can delay my plan, but it must happen in 26, even though I've said it to happen in 25, because you must be in the building before you must be running before at full speed before the last day, great revival starts in the spirit. I'm not saying in the natural, you might not see much, but in the spirit, it starts in 2027. Doctor prophesied it. Praise God. We got to be ready, Jenny. And this church is going to be ready. I'm saying a lot. If you can't catch it all, go back and listen again. Okay? Because you're not looking at notes like I am. And it's not burning in your heart like it is mine. So it's just, it's easy to miss things. You have to go back and listen to it again. Maybe even write, if you're interested and honorable enough, write some notes on it. So you can remind yourself. 
Then 27, we start. Now, I want to, this is, I got, I had to give you that summary because of what I'm about to say. And this is the main thing, one of the main things, not the only main thing, but one of the main things for today. And this is really super important. This is why God didn't want me to talk about Oasis because I would have had to squeeze all this too much. And he wants to give it time. He said to me, emphasize to the people, this is fresh today, emphasize to the people again, 24 and 25, but they don't get it. 24 is the things to start. Things are starting. Why? It's 1, 2, 3, 21, 22, 23, years of death. Then there's a taking the fruit, but laying it before the Lord. And then 25, there is an increase. 24, it starts. The lepers start walking. They start pouring the water with Elijah. 25, the lepers are gouging themselves in joy. And the people had nothing and have all. The, the, the drought and the famine and the siege is over. And Elijah takes off. So the Lord said to me, and, and, and all the more clearly, even in these, he said it on the fast. He said part of it on, on August 2nd last year. Then he said more on the fast. Then he said more to me in January. Then he said more to me in these last nine weeks. So I'm not wasting your time with everything of when it all came. I'm just telling you what's come. But he has revealed more to me that 24 set in the spirit. Remember I talked about setting things last, Sunday, last Wednesday? And, and I think that's probably why God wanted me to share that, even though I kind of didn't really know why, because I want to do the love message. But he said, I want to talk about setting things. Yeah. Well, then when I was preparing this yesterday, he said, that's why I had you preach that on Wednesday. Amen. Because I want people to know that I set things. Yeah. I set this candlestick. Yes. Remember that I gave you that scripture, Revelations 2? And then he said, I set you in a place with Pastor Nancy. Well, that's not a scripture because that's individual for my life, but he spoke that to me. And then he said, I set you over the nations. That's the, that's the Sina portion of our ministry. The Bozes is here, the Sina is there. And that's from Jeremiah 1.10. And then when I was driving home, he said, you missed a verse. You were talking about it, but you didn't say the verse. I said, Lord, I didn't know the verse. I was telling people, you're set in this church. Yes, Remember I said that over and over? Yes. And he said, well, my word says that. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. And it is God who sets them in the body as it pleases him. So I give you that from Wednesday night. It's a little late, but it's better late than ever. He set you here. And he said, that's why I had you talk about setting because of what today is about. There are set times in the spirit. God planned it before you were ever born. He's just waiting for us to be led by the spirit and position rightly. So many people don't be led by the Spirit and get off. Yes. Or because of pride or sin or whatever, they get off. Or they just don't know because they don't know how to be led by the Spirit, even though they're not in pride and sin, but they still get off because they don't know how to be led. Yeah. So God is waiting for a people that can live right and be led. Yeah. Then he can actually do something with them. Yeah. And he said to me, I have set this. Now listen to me, I'm speaking to you by the Spirit. He said, I have set a time in 24 for things to start. And I have set a time in 25 for things to complete. In terms of this season of Hebron, everything is building. 21, 22, 23 are dying years. They are building years. Yes, Yes, there's Jordan and Jericho and Bethel, but that's not the highlight right now. That's just what's coming. We're in the three years of death, dying to the flesh, learning how to pray. If I were you, I'd catch up. Some of you are way woefully behind. God's giving us time because he set in the spirit before you were born and before I was born that in 24, something glorious is going to start. 
and he said it to me. It starts in 24 and it completes in 25. What starts and what completes? The lepers started and then they got it. Elijah started with the water and the sacrifice and the fire and then he took off. That was all Mount Carmel. All of it was on top of Mount Carmel. It was just two distinct parts. All of it was the lepers. It was two distinct days. There is, it's too much to happen in one year. So God's giving us two years. Like as if it was two days. You're going to start some stuff and I'm going to, it's a tithe year. You're going to pour yourself out. But remember the first three years, you couldn't even touch it. These three years, we can't even touch certain things. But in the fourth year, you can touch the fruit. You just can't keep it. You've got to give it to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you can touch the fruit and eat it. It starts in 24 and it completes in 25. Now the Hebron season goes till 27, but this, there's something very special that God has set for 24 and 25, like a season within a season. Does that make sense to you all? And so I needed you to know that he has set it. (laughs) Now, if you don't listen, which I say you will, he's already built a buffer into 26 because it's so important that this thing happens before 27. This building comes. The dramatic influx of divine joining starts to manifest with more people coming, more money coming, and that building coming before 27. So he's building in time, even forward. That's how the mastery of God. Now, I don't believe we'll need it. And he didn't say we're going to need it. He said, if the people, but that doesn't mean the people will be. Don't take them up on the if. Let's not take them up on the if. We're not going to be disobedient. We're going to obey. What he speaks to us in the year of Bethel speaking in 23. And did you prepare your hearts for it? You might even start it in 23 financially, but you're going to pour something out in 24. And you're going you're gonna to keep pouring in 25, but you're going to start seeing something happen in your life. And we're going to start seeing something happen corporately in 25 because it's the year of increase. It's set in the spirit to increase. Corporately and you personally. Oh, my God. Now, I never shared this before, so let me share this with you. Keep in mind, 24 and 25 are set years. Now, on July 2nd, 2020, that's the year that he revealed to me about Samaria. And about, they didn't have it one minute, they had it the next. Just agree with me. Like, just, remember the guy didn't agree and he died? How can this happen? If God would open the windows, there wouldn't be food like this. A piece of bread costs $10 and a, a half a piece of bread costs tw- one cent kind of thing. I mean, how is that possible? He said, just agree with me. That day, July 2nd, 2020, when I was praying right here and he started talking and then he, and then he said, uh, uh, and, and I kept moving my hand and he said, it's coming, it's coming, whatever the word was. And, and I got tired and I said, Lord, how many times do I have to do this? Because he said, for every time you move your hand, it's very rare. I don't think it's ever happened before and it probably will never happen again. So don't try to imitate this because it has to be by the spirit. But he said, for every time you do this, I think I said it's coming or something. I don't know what the phrase was, but I kept repeating that phrase. And he said, for every time you stretch out your hand, it's one month. It's one month. Because Samaria, it looked like they had nothing. They had nothing. They had nothing. And all of a sudden they had everything. And I said, but I got tired physically. And in my mind, I said, how long, Lord, do I have to do this? And I wasn't counting anyway. So how am I supposed to know how many things I had done? And I saw in the spirit, my eyes were opened and I saw in the spirit, the number 36 wreathed in flame. I saw it like a little mini vision, the number 36 in flame. And the Lord said, you can stop moving your hand for there shall be 36 months before it starts. Now, I don't think I've, I don't, I don't think I shared that on April 11th, but I need to tell you because it's important. On July 2nd, last year, he said it will be 36 months, which is a three years, until it starts. 
I didn't fully understand what starts mean, but now I do because he showed me 24 is starting and 25 is completing. And so I thought, okay, well, it starts now then. It starts July 2nd. Let's go. I'm not waiting. Let's go. And he said to me, it doesn't start till the mantle comes. The clock doesn't start till 2021. So I didn't know fully then, but even last July 2nd, I knew that we had 21, 22, and 23, and something was going to, whatever it was, start in 24. But he didn't tell me when it was going to complete. Now I know it starts in 24 because that's the leper analogy and it ends in, it completes. It doesn't end, it completes in 25, this thing that he's doing with the people of our church. So 24 and 25 are absolutely critical years, which is why he's giving us three years to get our flesh under, to die. You still with me? Okay. So I saw this 36. What starts? Increase starts in 24. It's set time. It's a set time. So three years after the mantle comes, uh, it starts. This season that is assigned to start in 24 and complete in 25. It's the 24 year of tithing consecration and it's the 25 year of eating of increase. Now are you ready? Because this is what I don't think I've ever shared and if I have, I've never shared it in the context and in the revelation that I have now. I might have shared this before in passing, but I've never had revelation into it till now. And this is one of the reasons he wanted me to put this at the end, because this is really important. He said, I'm telling you, oh my God, let me just, can I just, Lord, enjoy it for just a second uh, without them knowing? Just a second, Lord. I've had a long time without them knowing, so I guess the time to share it and have it private is over. He said to me, did you notice? I'm telling you, I said this phrase to me, did you notice? Lord, you know I don't seem to notice anything. <laughs> I mean, I just, you keep telling that to me. He said, did you notice that I said to you, this starts, what starts? This uh, something about the glory. The, the building hasn't come, because that's due for 25. But the start of it, the people pouring out for it, the sacrifice made for it. He would have never run if they hadn't poured the water. The, they would have never had the end of the besieging of Samaria if the lepers hadn't started walking. True. He said, did you notice that I said this starts in 2024? I said, yes, I know. And he said, and so it started in 1924. Right, I, I almost dropped the phone. <laughs> he said, go back and look at your notes. And I went back and looked at my notes and uh, Amy Simple McPherson was from Ontario, loved Canada, had Angelus Temple in L.A. And uh, <laughs> Willard Pierce worked for her. He said, I have a heart to go to Canada. She said, take my mantle with you to the shores of Ontario. That's what she said to him. That's what Pastor Beasley told me. That's what his father told him. His father pastored the downtown church where that mantle came. Later on, obviously, he wasn't there at the beginning. And he, she said, take my mantle, she called it her mantle, yeah. to the shores of Ontario. And Willard Pierce came in 1917. Now, this church on Dundas and Bond was called the Bond Street Congregational Church. And it was established in 1879. And it, was, and it was the Bond Street Congregational Church from 1879 to 1917. The building was the same, but the ownership was different. But Willard Pierce came in 1917. 
And he took over the Bond Street Congregational Church, became the new pastor with the mantle of Amy Simple McPherson, and called it, now some of this is new because uh, I've done further research since Pastor Beasley told me, and I've learned some new things. He called it Angelus Temple North. He didn't call it Evangel Temple right away, which I thought he did. He called it Angelus Temple North in 1917 to honor Amy Simple McPherson. And it stayed as Angelus Temple North for 10 years, from 1917 to 1927. And in 1924, because he was doing a season of preparation, Willard Pierce. He did seven years of preparation from 1927 to 1924, a little less than seven years. 1917 to 1924, he did seven years of preparation, thereabouts. Because at some point, we don't know when, but at some point in 24, Charles Price was sent by Amy Simple McPherson, who attended her church, Angelus Temple, and he came to Angelus Temple North in Toronto. And he started taking over the church and working upon the foundation that Willard Pierce for seven years had lain for revival. And in 1924, they changed the name. Sorry, 1924, he comes, correct, I'm sorry. 1924, he comes to that church. Willard, uh, Charles Price comes, relieves Willard Pierce, and he, start, he takes it over. And from 1924 until 1932 for eight years, they had revival in downtown Toronto. But the revival built didn't come all at once. But it started under Charles Price's watch in 1924. And three years into the revival, God told him, change the name. And they called it Evangel Temple in 1927. And I said, when the Lord showed me this, Jenny, early this morning, I said, Lord, uh, 1927, I said, uh, they did a name change, an identity change. And the Lord said, and there shall be an identity change with you in 2027 because that is the year that, that Jerusalem starts. And I said, but Lord, they changed their name. We're not changing our name. But he said to me, you will change your name to the glory center. It won't be just promise of life. It will be the glory center promise of life church. There, I'm telling you, you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. 1917, Willard Pierce comes, and for seven years, six and a half, seven years, yeah. he prepares. Wow. When did we start? In 2017, January 17th, God said to me about David. God said to me, you're going to be three years until the 15-year season is over, and then the, the crown is coming, the mantle is coming. In 2017, exactly, I didn't know this, 100 years later, from the time Willard Pierce started and called it Angelus Temple North, God started talking to us 100 years later about the plan for the mantle. We were in already 12 years of, of positioning and qualifying, but God didn't start talking. Remember I said last week, God talked to me through Pastor Nancy and all the way through to 16. In 17, he started talking to me directly. Remember I said that? 100 years later, that's not coincidence. God starts talking to us specifically about the mantle, the glory center revival. Because 100 years before, Willard Pierce came with that mantle to Ontario's shores and he, he took over the Bond Street Congregational Church. 
And he took that over and he made it Andrews Temple North in 1917. And he labored for almost seven years preparing for revival. And we've been laboring for almost seven years for revival. And then in 1924, uh, Charles Price comes. He takes over and revival starts. And God said, look at my mastery. In 1924, their revival started, albeit small. And in 2024, I have set that in the spirit. That's why he said, I said it. I set it in the spirit as a time to start. And he said, their revival built up till 32. I'm not saying that we'll stop in 32 because I don't think the rapture is going to happen until at least 34 or later. But he said, but they went in revival. And then in 27, there was a name change, an identity change. And they changed it from Angus Temple North, but they wanted to keep the word temple into honor Simple McPherson. Yes. And they wanted something about evangelistic outreach because they wanted to win souls. Yes. So they made it evangel, like evangelistic, evangel temple to honor Simple McPherson. Yes. Wow. And that change of name came in 27. It was an identity change year. He'd already been there for three years, Willard, um, Charles Price, the revival had already started, but there was an identity change. And the Lord said, there'll be an identity change for you in the same year, 100 years later, 2027, for that is your Jerusalem beginning. And your name will change from the glory center, from promise of life to the glory center and ministry of promise of life. You can't make that stuff up, guys. I'm trying to express to you, this is... This is so much greater than me. It's so much greater than you. We are standing on the shoulders of a hundred years of prayer. More than a hundred years of prayer. People praying in L.A. for Toronto. People coming and laboring with nothing and hardship and attack and abuse and poverty and laboring and laboring and, oh, God, do a work. Oh, God, do a work. And a hundred years later, here we are, and we're still laboring and we're saying, God, do a work. And yet what we see in our city is far darker than what they saw then. And we're going to have a work like they had then. And God's going to start it in the spirit in 24 like he started it with them in 24. But our preparation started in 17, like it started for them in 17. And our identity will change in 27 with Jerusalem, like it changed with them in 27. And all of this I didn't try to make fit. All of this God told me ahead of time, do it. And then once it was done and established, then he said, now look back at my mastery. Because he didn't want that to influence me. So he didn't show it to me until I'd already done it, until I'd already preached it and said it. Isn't that amazing, Jennifer? To me, that's, I don't know, to me, that's astonishing. I couldn't, you couldn't make this up. And then, and then in a Toronto Star article in 1976, I found in the library archive, it said the pastor back then in the 30s, which is Charles Price, would regularly draw crowds of 3,000 people to cram them into that building on Bond and Dundas. 3,000, regularly. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me and said, how big was the building that, that Randy Greer stood in? I said, he said three to 4,000. He said, even that is the same. Even that is the same. What that mantle produced then with multiple services a week, it will produce now, a hundred years later. And if we have to have multiple services a week, we will. And he said, even the building capacity is similar, which I didn't know until I'd researched it. Hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting, Jenny. Remember, God said to my wife, you'll have a great work in Canada. When we had very not great work in Canada. There is a hundred year pattern. And I said, Lord, I think that's great. But people are going to think I'm nuts. Nuts. Weirdo. 
if I say that kind of stuff. Nut job. Pastor nut job. Hi, this is my pastor. He's pastor nut job. People are going to think I'm crazy. I said, yeah, fleshly people, Jenny said. I said, Lord, now you bear, spirit bears witness. You know it's true if your spirit bears witness. But I said, I want scripture. I want scripture. I don't know how you can do it, but I need a sure word of prophecy than just Willard Pierce and Charles Price. And the Lord gave it to me through my wife last week. And he said, sure, <laughs> I'll give you scripture. And uh, you know what that scripture is? From the time the ark was taken with Eli, with the time the, whatever, with the time the ark was taken until David brought it back. And he brought it back at the end of the Hebron season and at the very beginning of the Jerusalem season, which was seven and a half, almost eight years into his reign, was a hundred years to the exact year. A hundred years, the ark was lost. But God brought it back. He brought it back. He brought it back with David. And he said, I've given you a parallel in your life of David. And he said, just as that was, uh, it was there in operating, and then it was lost for a hundred years. He said, and then it came back, and it came back in Jerusalem at the end of the Hebron season. He said, so it has been a hundred years that this mantle has not really produced, but now at the end of your Hebron season, as you enter Jerusalem, it shall come back exactly 100 years, 1924 to 2024. And for David, it was 100 years. And he gave me scripture. That's astonishing. I thought I'd got him. I got you now. You can't produce that with scripture. I know you can't. And God just looks at your knowing you can't and goes, <laughs> right here. <laughs> Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that, to me, that's amazing. And another little side tagline thing. It's not the main thing, but it's just a little, a little extra Ever known you need to stop eating hors d'oeuvres because you're going to lose your appetite for the main meal? Yeah. But you just take one more. Just one more pig in a blanket. Okay? Just one more. <laughs> it just was one more small one. And he just said, how many years was it from the time Willard Pierce started until the time Charles Price started? Started preparation, started this revival. How many, time, how many years was it since... I started talking to you and you started in 1970 until this. And he said, if you count it, son, it's seven years. Three years before Hebron, one year for the transition season of Hebron, and three years of the death seasons before this start, 21, 22, 23. And he said, seven is a number of completion and perfection. He said, I started something in 2017 and I'm going to complete it. It's coming through and we're going to see that change in 24. Praise God. It's not exactly, I mean, it's not, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Well, I guess if you count 20, if you count 17, it is exactly seven years, right? Because it's 17, we have to count. That includes that year. You don't start it the next year. It starts that year. So three years before, one year transition, three years of death, seven years, number of completion. He is completing something. Praise God. Before he starts something. Now, this is a very important phrase that I'm going to say to you, so I want you to pay attention. I've got stars all around it in my notes. It's the only phrase in my, all my notes, I've got stars everywhere. This is what he said to me last week. Even though Jerusalem does not start until a few years later, the glory clock starts in 2024. And he said it loud and strong, like I'm talking to you right now. 
Even though Jerusalem doesn't start till a few years, meaning three years later, the glory clock, it's a set time. That's what we keep saying. I've set a time. Well, time is a clock. There is a set time. The glory clock has been set for 2024. Even though the glory uh, season of of Jerusalem and this last day great revival is not scheduled for 27, but it starts in 24. Everything God is so precise, he's so masterful. This hundred years is part of a plan, Jennifer. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I keep going? I'm almost there. I'm making good progress through my notes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That just amazes me, honey. The precision of God is astonishing to me. I can't, I can't fathom it almost. This is bigger than me. People have been praying for this. People that have died and gone to heaven are looking over the portals of time and they're looking into us and they're saying, you don't know me, but... I'm granny so-and-so, and I was in, I was in that church, and I prayed, and I saw that revival. 15,000 people in eight years, bona fide conversions from 1924 to 1930, and many more that were not recorded. 3,000 members a service regularly. The largest church in Canada for years from the mantle of Amy Simple McPherson. And then just to top it all off, he gives me the chocolate cake and then he says, something doesn't look right. Here's the cherry. Wow. Now it looks perfect. Uh, I'm giving you a spiritual mother who's connected to Amy Simple McPherson, who has the castle of Amy Simple McPherson, who has a healing anointing ministry because pastor's called to be a healing evangelist and she's already started doing healing crusades like Amy Simple McPherson started last year. And she's got, she even, she even looks like Amy Simple McPherson. She didn't try to, but it's just blonde, short blonde hair. Beautiful. Funny. Full of life. She was known, Amy Simple was known to be full of life. Vivacious. And if you know Pastor, she, she's like that. She, she made it seem very conservative, but she's full of life. Just the cherry on top. I want you to be connected to somebody else that's connected to Amy. And by the way, I'm going to use the prophet that was her husband to see in the previous church, the hand coming downtown, the hand come there, the hand, the hand come uptown, the hand come west, the hand come to you, four churches. I'm going to use her husband as the prophet to show all of that. You just can't make it up. You can't make it up. Nobody is smart enough to make it up. Least of all, believe me, me. Now, he said this to me. Let me move on. He said this to me. He said, did you notice because I've been meditating on this David thing now. He's bringing the mantle in a hundred years later. He's bringing the ark in, the glory, the glory was coming a hundred years later. But as he brought it, God brought out two facts to me. One, judgment came and there's reasons. And two, when they had judged themselves rightly and they did finally bring it in, it entered with praise. If you study the Mosaic Covenant, it's different to the Davidic Covenant. The Davidic Covenant is the last one before the New Covenant because Jesus sits on the throne of David, so it goes David into Jesus. And if you study the Mosaic Covenant, it's all the law and and, and it's circumcision and it's all these different things that are the symbols and types and shadows. But if you study the Davidic Covenant, the, the, the seal of the Davidic Covenant is praise. The seal of the Mosaic is circumcision. But the seal, uh, no, the, sorry, the seal of the Abrahamic is circumcision. The seal of the Mosaic is the law and tithing and all this stuff. But the seal of the Davidic covenant is praise. 
there was such a central theme in David's life about praise. He started as a shepherd that sang. He was one of the only people in history, according to theologians, who was both a prophet, priest, and king all simultaneously. Jesus was a prophet, priest, and king all simultaneously. Moses was a prophet, priest, and king all simultaneously. But very few, very few, just three, Jesus, Moses, and David. And all of the Old Testament operated in three offices. And David, that's why David could go and put on the, 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 the ephod and sit before the ark where the other kings would die. Because he was a priest, he could do it. Glory to God. And part of the office of the priest was song. And he was a singer and a musician and a minstrel. Now, the Lord started dealing with me and my wife about this, this ark, or, or we could call it this glory that's coming. We can't get it without the mantle. That's why the mantle had to come. But this glory that's coming, Jenny, that starts in 2024, it enters, he said to me, did you notice that, it, that praise brought it in? It entered with praise. Are you ready? Because this, flip your wig if you got one. Flip your wig if you got one. Every six feet that they took that ark, they slaughtered an animal. And, every, and then on the seventh foot, they stopped and they praised. Then they walked six steps and they slaughtered an animal. Then they took a seventh step and they praised. And they did that all the journey in. Because six is the number of man and it's 6,000 years of humanity. And the seventh, the millennial reign of Christ is praise. Even in that, God has a mastery in the Old Testament to the new. And uh, should I even tell him? I don't know if I should tell him. I'm going to tell him I just enjoy the... I didn't know, but my wife has found it in Scripture, which I've never heard anybody say in my life, but it's in the Bible. We found it. People just don't know about it, so they don't talk about it. David, when he brought the ark in, established a school of worship, a school, with 4,000 Levites, people that sang and played. And they worshiped God 24 hours a day, continually, never ceasing for the entire reign of David. And beyond, because Solomon continued it. There were teams. Do you remember how many in each? There's three main ones under David, three. Three main. And under them, 24. 24 teams. And there's 288 in total. Leaders. So there was three main guys under David, 28 guys under the three, then the rest of the, to make up the 4,000 under those, uh, those 288 leaders, and then there was the rest of the 4,000 under them. And they were all segregated to certain times of the day, certain instruments, certain songs, and they had to come in prepared, washed, cleansed, and they would, then the ones would, uh, they would start to sing and the others would, 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 would wane. And then they would continue to worship for shifts. And then the next one would come. And then when they saw they were already and they'd started playing, they started to wane. And the other ones, and for over 40 years, uh, not a minute passed without worship. Why? Why? Because God was saying, 
you are in a, David was, the entire David thing was a preparation, really, for Solomon and the temple and the glory where the priests couldn't stand for to minister. God's compressing it in our time because he doesn't have all these years to wait for us. But if you take both together, David was a preparation with worship all the time. And he had the, 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 the blueprint of the temple. Solomon came and built the temple that his father had given the blueprint of and continued the worship. And that's when the glory of God showed up. And the Lord said to my wife and I, he, I'm, I don't know if you... If you if you believe it or not, but I'm telling you, the Lord said to my father, he said, as this thing, I don't know when, he hasn't told us when, but he said, as this comes, as the glory center comes, as the glory, there has to be the same parallel for you as there was with them. And you are going to have something called the school of worship. And you are going to have people on your team and their day, will, I don't know when, but he said the day will come where Promise of Life will offer 24 hours a day in constant worship, day in, day out, and it never ceases. Now, I know that's kind of extreme. I'm almost afraid to say it because by saying it, I'm kind of committing myself to it. But I'm telling you, I heard the Lord, the Lord said that to me. When my wife said that to me, I said, well, that's nice for David. Thank God I'm not David. But then when I started praying, he started dealing with me and he said, I called you, David. I said, but that don't matter. That don't matter. That's not for me. That's not for me. And he said, but the glory in the new covenant has to still come. And there has to be a price paid in, in worship for that glory to come. And he said, the school is coming. I'm talking to your wife about it. The instruments are coming. And I believe with this dramatic influx of divine joinings, there is going to be people that come to the church in that influx that are worshipers, that are skilled instrumentalists, and that are, have the heart for this. And I don't know how. It might only be just one person. It might be a whole team. I don't know. But the day's coming where there'll be 24 hours of worship in teams. To, to, to praise the beauty of the Lord and the beauty of holiness because the glory of God is coming to the glory center and it's going to bring a revival. Amen. I don't know if you're hearing me, but I'm telling it bold, Jenny. That's bold. That takes faith of me to say it. But, but I, I'm telling you, it's, it's a coming. And then the Lord said this to me and he said, but I already told you all this. I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And he took me back to Isaiah 43. And he said, do you not remember the only verse that I gave you in the whole chapter specifically about your church? One verse. And he said, and I will form and fashion them like the potter on the wheel and they shall be known for praise. I said, oh my God, that's what you meant? I just preached this a few weeks ago and I told you, I don't know what he means. Do you remember I said that? He said, you'll be known for praise. I don't really know what that means, but anyway, I guess he'll reveal it. I just said that a few weeks ago. He's already revealed it. A few, within the same nine weeks, he's already revealed it. Hallelujah. Part, I'm not saying it's all, but part of it, the known for praise is because of the school of worship. It's because of a continual lifting up of worship to the Lord as an honor to him for the glory that's coming. And he said, and they shall be known for praise. Before David, because this was in Jerusalem years. Remember Hebron, he didn't fight anybody. But in Jerusalem, he fought everybody. And, and from the time he started this 24-hour praise, not one time later did he ever lose a battle. He won 100 times out of 100 times when he started worshiping the Lord like that. I'm telling you. Like Kel Copeland says, prayers get answers, but praise wins battles. Glory to God, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's, yeah, it's something, <laughs> I'm telling you, Jennifer, that is something else. That is something else. So I'm almost done. Let me just, the last bit here, because it's the last bit, last category I've got here. 
is called judging ourselves. The Lord said there's two things about the ark or the glory coming. One, praise. And two, judgment. And he said, now I'm going to talk to you. He told me, he said, I want you to tell them three things. So I'm being very honest with you. There's many things I could say, Jenny, theologically, but he said, I only want you to say three today. Maybe there'll be more later, but he said three highlight main points for today. He said, uh, I'm preparing you for glory, but that means that you must judge yourselves. That's why we have three years of no uncircumcised, don't touch the fruit. Because we're, we're, we're dying to the flesh. It's three years of death. If we don't judge ourselves, judgment will come. I'm not allowed to share it with you, but there's been a couple situations that have already happened since January 1st of this year with certain individuals that God told me they're not judging themselves and judgment is coming and judgment fell of people in our church. And uh, severe correction had to come, punishments had to come, uh, punitive action had to come. And when I said, Lord, why? Why is it so different? And he said to me, what you could get away with and what leadership could get away with last year, I will not permit this year because the mantle has changed everything. And you have to learn things of the Spirit and put your flesh under because you're in a season of dying. Otherwise, you will not be ready for the start in 2024. If we don't judge ourselves, we will be judged. Are you listening to me? And he said this to me, can I, can I, uh, okay, I'm going to go in order because I'm jumping around. So he go me, take me three things. He said, judge yourself on divine order and doctrine as a church as a whole. Judge yourself on sin and judge yourself on money and stinginess. That's what he said to me, the word stinginess. He said, remember the warning I gave your church in Isaiah 43 at the very end of that message? He said, I t- gave you two warnings. One was Bring your offerings and don't be weary in tithing and giving your offerings. And two was don't sin. Remember the, remember the two? There was two, uh, there was two warnings at the end of Isaiah 43 when I preached that, that God gave me in the fast. One was about money, one was about sin. He said, the sin and the money are the main. He said, but you've got to make sure you judge divine order. Because divine order will get you out. Like this worship thing. We've got to judge the right timing. We've got to judge the flow because there's got to be a divine order, even though God has said it. And, and he gave me an example. There's a guy named Uzzah. The first time he tried to bring the ark, David did it in the flesh. There were very particular instructions, if you read the Bible, that God told them, go six feet, then sacrifice. But David didn't want to do it. So they're just walking along like it's another day. He didn't, he didn't know, but he should have known. He was responsible as the king to know, and he didn't do it. And now the ark stumbles. That should have never happened. The ark stumbles. Uzzah reaches out to stable it and God strikes him dead. And David said, why did you do this? And God gets mad at him. And so he gives the ark over because he's afraid of the ark, remember? And Obed-Edom has blessed for all those months because he's scared of God because of what happened to Uzzah. But the reason it happened to Uzzah is because David was bringing it in the flesh he did not follow God's instructions, and it's like the flesh church, yes, it is. the seeker-sensitive church, and judgment fell. Yeah. But later, he obeyed the instructions of the Word, which speaks of the, the divine order of the Word and Spirit church. Amen. He did it with the right heart. He followed exactly what God said. Yes. He did it by the Spirit instead of doing it by the flesh. Amen. God was pleased. They did the sacrificing and praise. And then as they entered the gates, he takes his clothes off to his underwear as as an act of great honor to God. And he dances with all his might in the last few feet 
like the last few little bit of all those years, 16 years of preparation was the fast. It was the last few feet, but it was extreme. And in the last few feet of this whole journey, David danced with all his might. I'm telling you, there's parallels. God expects you to do things at the end differently than he does at the beginning. And so, uh, and you see, and then the ark came, the glory came, everything came. But uh, there had to be a judgment about divine order and not doing things in the flesh or being a flesh church. So there's a judgment that will come on all of us. And we have to, it won't come on us if we don't obey, obey. A lot of this is on my responsibility to make sure that we're not a flesh church, we're a spirit church. But you have to follow and not be part of, not be fleshly in a spirit church. Are you with me? And not buck against the divine order. If God gives us instructions and I say, God said to do this and you don't listen, don't be an oozer. You okay? Just, just yield. The second one was that I want you to judge you on sin. Now I want you to listen to the statement. He said this to me last week. Many in your congregation are not judging themselves. But because they stand in a lesser place of spiritual authority and responsibility, judgment upon them will be less and delayed. But upon those who stand at the forefront, upon you, your wife, your staff, your leadership, Pastor Matthew, and your other spiritual sons at the forefront, judgment will come swiftly. And it's already come in two situations. So, uh, you don't think you're going to get away with it just because it's less than delayed, so come. So judge yourself. This is about sin, about wrong decisions, wrong actions, things that were attitudes that are wrong, actions that are wrong. When he tells you to do something and you won't do it, that's sin. When he says, I want you to lose weight and you don't, that's sin. When he says, don't talk about that person like that and you do it, that's sin. When he says, I want you to give this amount and you don't, that's sin. When he says, I want you to serve in this area and you say, I'm too busy, that's sin. Any disobedience is sin. He said, you better tell them to judge themselves on sin. Judge on divine order and don't fight against when the pastor tells you this is the way we're doing it. Judge yourself on sin and live right. And he gave me two scriptures, which I'll just quote. Philippians 2.11, which I read in the Daily Connection. It says that, well, I better read it to you because I, I don't think I, can, I haven't memorized it to say it exactly. But Philippians chapter 2 and verse 11. And it says, uh, no, not 2 verse 11. What, what are you talking about, Craig? It must be 1. 1. Philippians chapter 1. Yes, and this is talking about, I pray that you may love, may abound more and more in all knowledge, wisdom, that you may prove what is excellent, sense what is vital, that you may be sincere and without offense, so that if Jesus Christ, verse 11, being filled with fruits of righteousness, amplified says, right standing and right living, which are by Christ Jesus under the glory and praise of God, the amplified says that the glory may be manifested. Righteousness, which is not just being born again, right standing, but it's living clean and holy and consecrated and pure, right living is critical for the glory to be manifested. Read Philippians 1.11 in the Amplified Classic. You'll see what I'm saying. You've got to live right for the glory to come. So this is, we've got to judge ourselves. And the other scripture he gave me, which I'll quote to you, is Hebrews 1.9. Jesus hated lawlessness and loved righteousness above all, all others. And he was anointed above all his fellows with the oil of gladness. So the oil or the anointing or representing the glory came on Jesus because he hated sin. And he loved being right with God. Righteous living. So we have to judge ourselves or judgment will come. Listen, when it comes to the ark and the glory, there's two things he's emphasized. Praise, which is the, good, the wonderful side, and judgment, which is a bit more scary, but we have to do it. Yes. Judge yourself on divine order. Yes. and Don't fight against the way that we do things here because I'm doing things as God's leading me, and don't be a newser. Right. 
Judge yourself on sin. Hate wrong, ungodly actions and love purity. Hate secular music. Hate stuff that that displeases the Holy Ghost and cussing and swearing and movies and pornography and and, and just stuff. All this rom-com nonsense with people having sex with everything. That displeases God, even though you think it's so cute. It's not cute to God. Judge yourself or you'll be judged. You won't qualify for the start in 2024 if you don't die in the first three years. And number four, he said, judge yourself on stinginess, money. Now, this is where I'm going to just, I'm just going to go bang, 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 bang. Like one, two, like a combination. Knockout. Okay? I'm not spending a lot of time on this. I'm not apologizing for it because this is what God told me on the fast. I haven't told it to you yet because I couldn't get to it on the first part on April 11th, but I'm getting to it now. And it's the end of my sermon, so just relax. He said, judge yourself on stinginess and money because money is going to be required for this. So this is what he said to me on the fast. Believe me, for a 10 to $12 million building, I'm working off 10 because I don't have faith for 12, but I'll get there. He said, it will be four to five times approximately. I'm not holding to that. Your current building, which means it'll be about 40 to 50,000 square feet. He said, it will be in Mississauga. I've called you to this city. He said, you will need one, approximately one million. That means could be more, could be less just to move in. That's renovation costs to put air conditioning, carpet, stage, chairs, lighting, and sound. Just the basics to move in. We need at least a million. Because we've already, Errol's already researched how much all that costs for a building that's 40,000 square feet. And it's at least a million, if not more. Okay, so he said with 40% down, because God knows the rules in Canada, you can't buy something commercial without 40% down. Sometimes it's 45%, but it's usually 40. He said uh, with 40% down on 10 million, that's 4 million plus 1 million refinishments is 5 million. He said, you need 5 million. I said, oh God. I'm telling you what he said. He gave all of my, (laughs) he just answered. He obliterated it in one statement. So I'm just going to tell you what the one statement is and you can do what you want with it, but it's your privilege. Because it's not about a building, it's about the glory. This is about a hundred years. This is the statement. Challenge 200 families to give $10,000 in three years between 2023 and 2025. That will yield $2 million, son. Challenge 40 businessmen to give $50,000 from their businesses between 23 and 25. That will yield another 2 million, son. You already have 1 million. 5 million is not that hard, son. All the money you need is in your congregation. And then he stopped talking. And he said it like so matter of fact, like it wasn't a big deal. No emotions. No like, well, try to, you know, because he told me, pour out the vision, get out of the way. I'm going to deal with him. Now listen. We're talking about now 24, 23 he starts, speaking to you, but 24 is a start of this thing, and 25, it starts 24, culminates 25, okay? But he's still giving three years, because he knows some of you don't want to wait till 24, and rightfully so. So he's saying, you can start giving as early as 23 if you want. You can technically give whenever you want. Can you say it again? Can you say it again? You can start giving anytime you want, but he is giving a three-year swath of time for this to come in, to help the congregation. Because he's going to start talking to you in 23. It's Bethel. You're going to start pouring out in 24 because it's Elijah's pouring out. It's the lepers walking. The power is going to start to move. And then it's going to complete itself in 25. The building is going to come. All the money we need, the people are going to start coming. But, it's going to, but he's giving you 23, 24, 25 to do it. Uh, challenge 200 families to give $10,000 in three years. Between 23 to 25. That will yield $2 million, son. 
challenged 40 businessmen to give 50,000 between 23 and 25. That will yield another 2 million, son. You already have 1 million. 5 million is not that hard, son. All, and he emphasized all, all the money you need is in your congregation. And then the attitude was, so just shut up about it and move on. It was a kind of like a, stop whining. You talked about five minutes, so hard, it's not hard. It's all in there. And we're only asking for $3,333 per year per family for the glory center. Many of you are willing to do three times that. Some of you businessmen need to get on board. You need to start running your business like it's a funder for the gospel instead of for your own selfish needs. Or because you're so poverty-minded for your own, well, I'm just doing my business to, I can barely make my ends meet. We'll start tithing from your business and start getting a new mindset and start speaking differently over it and say, no, no, this business, yes, pays my salary, but that's an afterthought. This business is a funder for the glory of God in Toronto. And I command you in grace and you'll see it will increase. And then don't you steal that money. 50,000 over three years is only 16,666 a year. For a businessman, that should be piddlywinks. We already have the one million. Now I believe we're gonna need more than that because it's at least a million to get in. And what if the building's 12 million? Then 40% is gonna be more than four. But he's just trying to show me, it's not a big deal. Tell the people. So congregation, you'll hear it on the 27th when I do the Oasis thing more because I'll share more details about Oasis then. But let me just remind you because some of you I know are thinking it and maybe you're confused. God said to me, and I'll talk more on the 27th of this month. He said to me, take the next two years for Oasis. Because remember, Oasis is the beginning bookend of the small ownership and the building is the end bookend of the large ownership. He said, pay the two or the three mortgages off. We have three mortgages. We need one is due this fall and one is due next fall. He said, pay it off, the two mortgages that you need to pay and over this year and next year. And he said, now there'll be some other things in the latter half of next year that I'll tell you to do, but they're not necessarily about the glory fund. So I'm not sure everything, but he said, I'll show you later. But he said, tell the people in the, next, in the next 13 months, between now and the middle of next year, that all of that Oasis money, 420000 needs to come in because you need to get that done. Yes. And then he said there'll be some other things in the latter half of next year that you'll have to tie up and loose ends tie up. But he said this thing starts in 23. Now, he said to me, if people want to give in 22, in addition to Oasis, if they want to give to the Glory Center early because it's in their heart, yeah. They can do that anytime they want, but not giving to the glory center in, in, in the, instead of giving to the assigned vision of Oasis because Oasis and the glory center are two bookends in the same ownership season of Hebron. So don't look at the glory center being more important in God's mind. Hebron is a season of ownership. The beginning is Oasis. The end is the building. Both need to be paid. We're just paying for one up front and the other one later. If you want to help with the other one now, help now. But don't, don't not at the suffrage of not causing the Oasis one to suffer. Okay, so we're going to do this. We're going to pay off this Oasis in the next couple years. And then we're going to focus on 23, 24, and 25, a three-year plan for this 5 million or more to come in. And we're only talking about $3,300 a year for a full family. Should, we got this. This shouldn't be that hard because it's more than a building. It's for the glory. Hallelujah.
and there's already, let me just give you an, an example. There's only one family. I'll share this more on the 27, but there's one family. God touched their hearts. See, God has to touch the hearts. Their spirit was stirred within them. They don't want me to say their name. But there was one family, and they just said, uh, you know, when they heard about Oasis and the Glory Center, they said, we have to give, and we can't wait. We're giving now, whether you like it or not. We, I said, I like it. And so they gave all their tax return as a family, $10,000 last month, so that they could help with Oasis because it's part of the season of ownership. And they just gave out of the... They didn't want it. They just said, this is all, this is all God's. We, we just love the vision. We want to be a part of it. Now, that was the only family that's done that. And since that time, in a month, only $280 from the rest of the congregation has come in for Oasis. Which is, which now I know, I'm not blaming you because I haven't cast the vision. The vision was supposed to be cast today for this 420000 But he said, don't talk about it. Talk about it at, this is the set for the glory and revival. So I'm going to talk about it on June 27th. But not much has come in because I'm not talking about it, but I will be talking about it and we'll all come in. But look at how God's already touched one family's heart to just give it all. Like David said, I give it all. I'm not telling you to give it all unless God touches your heart, then there'll be joy. If you try to give it all without God touching your heart, it's burdensome. But when God touches a heart, you don't even want it. It's God's. So if God can do that at the very beginning with Oasis, how much more can God not do that with families' hearts at the end with the glory center? It will be the easiest five, six, seven, whatever it is, million dollars that we've ever had to deal with. And one person said to me, Pastor, why are you talking about just a 40% down payment? Why can't we pay for the whole thing cash? I said, I don't have the faith for that right now, but my faith is growing. But sister, if you have the faith for that, then please believe and start to say that when we turn the key in the glory center, we'll be debt free. I'm not there yet. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have a measure of faith for that. I'm just trying to believe to get in. But as my faith grows, maybe your faith will grow with it. And, and wouldn't that be great if we could pay that building off cash and not own a penny to anybody? That would be the highest and the best flow. But all I know is that we're getting in. And the way he said it, Taylor, was so like almost not annoyed. It wasn't annoyed. God has tones, just like people have tones. If you learn him, you'll know his tone. And his tone sometimes says more than what he's actually saying. I can say, I love you, Jenny. But I can say it like, I love you, Jenny. Or I can say, it, I love you, Jenny. They mean totally different things but it's the same words. Your tone brings inference. And the tone of it, if I could say it the way he said it one more time, the tone of it was, was this. Where is it, Jennifer? You, you stole my spot, honey. <laughs> Challenge 200 families to give 10,000 in three years between 23 and 25. That will yield $2 million, son. That's the tone. It means a lot. Very matter of fact. Very non-emotional and like this is not hard. Challenge 40 businessmen to get 50,000 between 23 and 25. That will yield another 22 million, son. You already have 1 million. 5 million is not that hard. All the money you need is in your congregation. And that was like, it was done. Like, don't talk to me about this again. I told you to pour out the vision and shut up. I will deal with the people. You just tell them what I'm asking. So I've told you what he's asking. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm off the hook. <laughs> so we're going to judge ourselves on divine order and not be an Uzzah and kick against the divine order that the pastor sets. We're going to judge ourselves on sin and love, right living. And we're going to judge ourselves on money and stinginess and be generous because it's for the glory. Now I'm going to end this off with 1219. Perfect timing. I'm going to end this off with one little audio clip. 
I got a great video testimony by one of our congregation members, but I think it will work better on June 27th, so I'm going to wait on that one. But I've got an audio clip. I was in a private prayer meeting with Jenny, no, not open to the congregation. I was praying. The Spirit of God came on her, and we got it on a recording. And it's only about three, three, four minutes, but I want you to hear what she says because everything, and it's really a prophecy, everything she prophesied was about the money for the glory center. And she's never shared this publicly. I've never shared this publicly, but the Lord said, play the clip. This was on February the 11th, Thursday afternoon. We were praying and God spoke. When we end this clip, I'm going to end the service, so make sure you listen to this clip and then don't leave because Reverend Taylor wants to take up our second offering, tell you a couple final quick announcements, and then we'll let you go to your chicken dinner. Praise God. Uh, praise God. But I want you to just listen for the next few minutes while she talks to you about what God is saying about the money. Can you play that? Others have already been called here, but they have disqualified and separated themselves. They have not been found worthy of the financial assignments that is to come through this place. And I will bless those that will obey me. They will never lack for anything, but they will be used to fund my vision. I will take the large and I will take the small. But there are those that I have already called here that were had that were to handle the assignment to give in a major way but they have disqualified and separated themselves and i have seen by my spirit to call them unfit and unworthy however the plan must go forward and therefore there must come an agreement by you in the spirit that i will bring those that will be counted worthy that will stay the course that will never leave that will never separate themselves from the fabric of this vision it will be so inbound in them it will be as if it is the very organs within their own body it is so far superseding the desire of even the pastor, but it will come from the great shepherd, Jesus himself, and they will not be able to turn their eyes, their gaze, their works, their finances, their effort, or their strength, or their joy of spirit away from that call to finance my vision. But do not look only to the large ones. Do not look only to those that own businesses and are able to give large amounts. For I am able to put things in the hands of those that are counted worthy. Though they be small today, you do not know them after the Spirit. Just as Samuel did not know Eliab after the Spirit, but only the outward. So you must know the David in your midst by the Spirit in regards to finances. And I will cause it to flower and come to fruition and sometimes it will amaze you because it will not seem that that could have been possible in that individual or in that family but because they are loyal to me because they love me I am able to put things in them and I am able to cause it to flourish yes I will even take the simple things the simpler ones that look as if they could be yes. no use financially right. to my kingdom. Right. And I will build such a wonder upon them that those looking at them will say, look at this. Surely God himself has built this in our midst. But I want you now to agree and to call in those that are worthy, not just given assignments. Those assignments are from heaven, but that their hearts 
would be planted in me and that they would be so worthy of that call that that word and that assignment and that vision would not even be able to separate itself from them. It would be so cleaved as one with them. It would be their very life's breath to follow me and to fund the vision that I have given this place, says the Lord. And yes, I will bring millionaires in your midst, but I will bring the faithful of every measure into this place. And when it comes together, it will build a beautiful platform for my glory. And I will give to the widow with the two mites like I will give to the businessman or businesswoman that gives their millions because they gave what I told them to give. Do not forsake that parable. Do not forsake what I said to my disciples. Do not forsake the widow's mite. And do not forsake that I said those will flourish and bring large offerings for they come together. They must come together because I must bless the small and I must bless the great but they are called all that I call are called to that assignment and so you are to pray them in that they would be weak that their hearts would not draw back from the assignment but that it would be so woven into them it would be the very tapestry on the inside of them it would be the very core and principle of their life's call it would be their number one assignment and I will place it upon them and all the anointings that I will place upon them to have wealth. And it will not be difficult for I will speak to them clearly and they will proceed and the fruit will manifest itself. And I will speak clearly and the joy of watching these women and men of God that are to fund this vision, the joy of watching them and how they walk in the spirit in regards to finances. Oh, what a lesson it will be for you all. Oh, what a lesson it will be for the people in the congregation of this place. It will be a demonstration of Abraham's blessing. It will be a demonstration of how to walk in wealth in a way that is no toil, no sorrow, but just joy and obedience and consistency in my presence. Because when you're one with me, you yield fruit. You yield much fruit. It has to come to pass. It has to happen. It's a byproduct yeah. of being with me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Heavenly Father, you said through that word that we are to pray for those that would come and for the ones that are already here, that they would yield themselves to be vessels of honor and to be vessels uh, uh, to sow seed and to fulfill this vision financially. Lord, I heard in that prophecy you said just agree with me and pray for the ones to come. So Father, I'm praying for the ones to come and I'm praying for the ones that are already here. I'm praying that you would speak to every heart that, Lord, they wouldn't be limited to 10,000 in three years, that businessmen wouldn't be limited to 50,000 in three years, that they would do whatsoever is in their heart. And then they would take that responsibility that you've put on them to fund your glory. Never before has you, have you titled it a glory fund. It's always been a building fund. But this is not about a building only. It's about the glory. It's about revival. It's about something bigger than just a building. Lord, put this on them. Put this in them. Start their hearts like you said to Moses let their spirits be stirred within them Lord I will remove myself I will not try to force it you deal with them if you could deal with hard-hearted Israelites you can deal with pure-hearted promise of lifers Lord speak to them and Lord let them give what's in their heart because father if they just give the 10 we can maybe just get in but Lord if they give what you've told them to give if they give what their spirit stirs them to give over these three years Father, we could pay the bill in cash. We could be turning the key debt-free if everybody would just yield to what the Spirit says. 
So, Lord, let them yield. And let this be the easiest, lightest thing we've ever done. We call for them to come. We agree with you that it will come to pass. We agree it will start in 24, this, this season of glory. The clock starts in 24. We agree that it will complete in this season of increase of divine joinings. Dramatic influx of divine joinings will, will come in 25. We say the building will come on time in 25. We say Jerusalem will come on time in 27. We say it will all come to pass. We are agreeing. We're agreeing with you, Father. We're in agreement. And we position ourselves to obey. And what a joy it is to obey in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. I was, when Jenny was speaking, the Lord said, You forgot something. And I looked back and I forgot to show you a couple pictures. So can we end off by just showing you? That doesn't really mean much, but just it's interesting to see. Can I just show you what the original, before it even became Angelus Temple North, when it was the bond, the, 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 the congregational church on Bond Street. This is in 1890, give or take. This is what it looked like in 1890 with a little white picket fence. That was Bond and Dundas, what is now Bond and Dundas. Now you can look at the, the, look at the architecture. It remains the same all the way through. Go to the next picture. This is about just past 1900, I think 1906 or 7 or somewhere in that range. And they added the st steeple. See, they got the similar architecture. That was Bond and Dundas. That's where that mantle came. Wow. Now, under Willard Pierce uh, in 1917, uh, this, it, they started changing it. I don't exactly know the exact dates, but, but from modern records, this is taken in the 50s, but from modern records, this is what it looked like. So probably when Willard Pierce was there preparing, it looked something similar to this or maybe in between the last picture and this. Now, just for, just for a second, that's it. Go closer. I'm going to take you a little closer. I don't know if you can really see that's not much closer, but there's a, in, above the car, there's a word. Do you see it? Evangel Temple. Go back now to the, the middle one, please. And you can see that was the church with the name Evangel Temple. And that was at some point in either the 40s, late 40s, somewhere in that range. And then, and then they took, uh, we have another picture in the library archives of 1976. I was one year old. And that's what it was. See, the architecture is more or less the same. I go in a little bit. See, that, that didn't, didn't really work. Didn't really go in at all. Okay, go in a bit more. Yeah. Look at the sign. Evangel Temple. Do you see that? This was probably about 30 years since when they had put it in white lettering along the bottom. They put a little sign along the side there. And then go back so you can just see the building. So that, that structure, which was there from 1970, 1879, whatever I quoted, I can't remember. And then really, they were in that church till 1981. In 1981, they moved from downtown Toronto to uptown Toronto and Pastor Bud Williams, my pastor, dedicated the Evangel Temple new building in 1983 at York Mills and Young. And I joined that church in 1986, three years after he opened it. And, it, and it's still there today, although the mantle has moved on. Praise God. I just wanted you to know there's a great history. This is a hundred years that God has been working to get this to work, and we're not going to mess it up. They started in 17, we started in 17. They started again in a different way. In 24, we're starting. There was a change of identity in 27. It will be with us. It will all surely. That revival for them lasted eight years. I believe that revival for us will last, I don't know how long, but it will all come to pass. Yeah.